0: this is charlotte and you're watching going in raw that sounds terrible
1: what's up this is the most must-be wwe superstar of all time and his lovely gorgeous wife (laughs) and you are going in raw what's
0: up it's your girl sasha things legit boss and you are watching going in raw
1: oh baby i like it raw oh baby i like it raw and you are tuned into going in raw right now how you doing Hey, friend, it's Steve here. And Larson. And welcome to Going In Review, where we review old pay-per-views as voted on by our patrons. $10 and up, and you can vote on... We put forward a couple of options, and you get to vote on it. Yeah. That's at patreon.com forward slash Steve and Larson. We've got a bunch of different reward tiers. $10 like ten dollars and up like the voting tier. Yes. $5, you get bonus episode, our new feature, non-news.
2: Yes. Yeah. Coming this... Friday, did we decide?
1: I think so. So it'll be this previous Friday. Yeah. Yeah, so it's up It's
2: up now. Last Friday. Yeah. That's what I meant to say. Uh,
1: anyways, be sure to subscribe. It, of course, we're here at YouTube.com forward slash Stephen Larson. If you hit that little notify bell on uh, YouTube, you can always be updated when there's new going in raw content. And of course, hit the subscribe or download button on your podcast app so you always get fresh... Steamy going in raw content. Yes. Yeah. That's right. We're also at com forward slash going in raw.
2: Mecha Santa. It's a good shirt.
1: Yeah, the Mecha shirt.
2: More to come. There's 10 right 20. now. We'll have more. I know. We points. promised
1: like 14 by the time uh, that last paper you went down. No, I know. Money in the bank. And it never happened. All right. So today, Larson, we're going to be taking a look at uh, In Your House Bad d- d- Blood. Yes. Why Why do you suppose they have two D's after for bad?
2: I mean, I think it was just like a, a late 90s thing.
1: Yeah. You just misspell words and it's cool. You put like a Z, instead of like an you,
2: S, you add a, Z, a Z, Z to make it the plural form right. of a singular or, word. Yeah,
1: like boys is boys. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. So they try to do that. It's interesting, though. They had like uh, a number of other pay per views WWE did uh, called Bad Blood. Um, but in those cases, they would only use the one D, not two Ds. So that true. fell out of that fell out of fashion pretty quick. Yes,
2: it's theme to it seemed to. Yes,
1: I feel like. Um, this so this is this pay per view is interesting in a number of, uh, for a number of reasons. Notably, of course, obviously, it is the very first and probably one of the best uh, Hell in a cell matches. Yes. Um, and it, it's so funny that so this was literally like. We're looking at the beginning of the attitude era,
2: well, the attitude era, I guess you'd say officially kicked off the following month after the Montreal screw job, yeah, when the Mr. McMahon character, the next Night in Raw was created
1: there's that there's the month after that was when Mr. McMahon gave his speech, you know, to the camera, which was so unnecessary, you know. We're no longer about cartoon characters. Yeah. Now we're about contemporary entertainment. That kinda of crap. Yeah. So he did that in December, but this was there was definitely the seeds were firmly in place. Yes. Um this was attitude era, maybe just a sort of proto attitude yeah. era. Um but Helen Cell can definitely be pointed at as something that okay, this you know, this was a defining moment um for WWF. Um, at the time, it was WWF. I always, I always, I don't know when exactly they started using the scratch logo. It was right, it was between here and December. Mm-hmm. I don't know exactly when it was, but that's like you know, sort of started the attitude area here. Here, they're still using the old school logo. Yes. Um, other notable things about this: this was the day that Brian Pillman died. Tell yes. what, what did you find out about that? Um, this
2: is all uh, according to Wikipedia. This was on uh, October fifth, nineteen ninety-seven. Um, Pillman, they mentioned this during the show, was scheduled for a match. And it was a match against Dude Love. Um, and apparently he hadn't shown up to the arena. Um, and it was getting close to showtime. So, again, according to Wikipedia here, uh, uh, Jim Cornette was told to find out where he was. He called the hotel in, uh, Bloomington, Minnesota, where Pillman was staying. Mm-hmm. And the receptionist told him that earlier in the day, a maid had found Pillman deceased in his room. Yeah. So uh, it seems like people found out about Pillman's death shortly before the show started.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, at, during the the first match, I believe, uh, yeah, uh, Vince mentions uh, Brian Pillman's passing, um, and then there's a couple other segments during the show on camera where he talks about it. Yeah in, uh, you know, trying to give the audience updates.
1: We'll talk about our thoughts on how they handled that. The sad thing about it, I mean, you know, joking aside, the sad thing about it is that this... So when, for example, Guerrero died, when they found out about Benoit, I'm trying to think of other instances of, like... Those are the two, obviously, the biggest, you know, active roster deaths that so we can think of. I'm not sure well, Owen was a completely different experience. Mm-hmm. But I would imagine that, and I'm not going to say they mishandled the Pillman thing, but we said this off camera, it really felt like Vince was literally processing it. it. I mean, you know, like you said, as they were going to air, they got the info. There was obviously somebody communicating with Vince during the show, giving him updates, and this was kind of a, a inadvertent test run for when this happened down the line, because when Guerrero passed away, they handled it, if I remember correctly, with as much class as they possibly could. Like, you know, they they handled that really well. Before the details of the Benoit thing were sort of known, they handled that very well as well. And then it found out what he did, and then you know, McMahon went back and said, "We're wiping him from our from our memories." Um, but this was not... This, this was obviously... They had no time to think this one through. And it seems to me they probably learned the lesson. Well, if we don't have time to think it through, we should just think about it later, you know, and then approach it more appropriately. They had TV the next night. Yeah. You know. So, because... Listen, I mean, we'll just talk about it now. Listening to Vince talk about Pillman's death, it was... You get you get the you get the strange I mean, it is somebody simply processing yes, that's what I think it is, but a guy who knowing that three years earlier he had gone through this trial for steroids where his, the the spotlight of drugs, granted it was steroids, it was still drugs, was hot on his company. You have to think that that would be fresh in his mind when something like this happens in that This is jacked up, but I gotta protect the company. That, to me, watching it, that kind of came across because he makes the point of saying, when when he finds out that it was a, a drug overdose, he says almost immediately, "This is the kind of thing that plagues not just sports but entertainment." And it's like, okay, we get it, Vince. You didn't. This isn't your fault. Like we know that this can happen anywhere. But then you know, if you look at the high rate of deaths. For wrestlers relatively young in life, it's, you know, no wonder they came up with a wellness policy, Mm -hmm. you know?
2: Yeah. Um, Earlier in the show, um, the first time Vince is on camera talking about uh, Pillman, um, uh, there does seem to be some genuine emotion there. Mm -hmm. He seems like he's on the verge of of crying. He's he's in shock. Yes. He's for sure
1: in shock. Yes. Yeah. Um,
2: But but as we said, yeah, it, 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 it seems pretty obvious that not only him, but a lot of people during the show were still processing mm-hmm. what was yeah. happening. Yeah, Um. So, you know, it, and that was more most obvious when wrestlers had to give promos. hmm yeah. You know, more often than not, you could tell there was something else on their mind. Yeah, yeah.
1: Because I, I noted a couple times, like, like it was Owen Hart.
2: Like, I remember Owen's promos
1: being, like, so full of energy and so, like, I don't know, crisp, but to the point. Mm-hmm. And he was just sort of rambling i I'll never forget when he died and Jeff Jarrett and Deborah had to give a promo like pretty soon after. Yeah. Oh man, that was like that was heartbreaking. Um but uh but yeah, the, the Pillman thing was it was it was odd because you know there was a lot going you know, Vince obviously he's it's his it's his house. He's running the show. So there's probably, I would imagine, a lot of things going on in his yes. head. Yes. As a result
2: of this. And and he has to do commentary for the show.
1: Last time, last pay-per-view, we got Vince commentary. Um, and again, Vince never got better. <laughs> Vince never, never ended up being a good commentary guy. You know guy. what's
2: interesting though is, is yeah, I'm not a fan of his commentary work, but I thought as an in-ring interviewer,
1: not too bad. Yeah, he was he was okay. He played Heel Vince. Now, look, he's he is arguably the greatest, most charismatic villain in the history of pro wrestling. I'm not sure an argument could. be. I mean, the, the list is very short. He's, in my book anyways, pops. He really is for how iconic his character was following the screw job into the Austin stuff. And even until like today when he's on the mic, when we saw him post-mania at Raw. Yeah. And it's funny that he's so diametric, like, it's such a 180. I know. Like, he inhabits that heel character so perfectly,
2: and yet the the, the commentator Vince never seemed comfortable being commentator Vince. No,
1: he never did.
2: And maybe it's because you know, he probably probably wasn't. Probably wasn't. probably very comfortable
1: being a raging lunatic jerk. Rich corporate meanie. Because um, he probably got a kick out of that. He always felt like he hated doing
2: commentary. I know. You know? Like you said, he never knew the moves. Oh, what a maneuver. Well, someone left a, a, a comment um, in one of our videos whenever I said that. And, and, and they said, it, at least I don't know if this is based on uh, interview or what, that uh, Vince wouldn't name moves because he wanted to make the product more accessible to casual viewers. Oh,
1: that's interesting. Hmm. So, Well, yeah, maybe there was method to his madness. In any event, uh, it was kind of funny because I noted here when we started out the show... Vince had a little bit of heel screaming Vince. Yeah, And I hadn't noticed that. The last one we did was In Your House from 95. Mm -hmm. I hadn't noticed any of that then. But here he kicks off and he's like, In Your House! Oh, here we go tonight. Yeah.
2: Well, let's talk about the changes in the span of two years between...
1: They were were many. The
2: the In Your House, just the feel, the look, the aesthetics of the show. Yeah. Gone was the set. Yeah. And his place was a pretty modest... Uh, entrance.
1: hmm
2: um, They started, which is interesting that for pay-per-views, I, I'm guessing it's just to maximize uh, seats, tickets they could sell. Because on Raw, by this point, they had the Titantron. Yeah. Um, but for pay-per-views, they got rid of the Titantron and mm-hmm. had a pretty simple uh, entrance area. Yeah. Um, There's a lot of pyro, and it seemed really close to the the fans in the town. Oh, I would have
1: hated that. I hate pyro. Um, there, I hate it. But it
2: literally looked like you were sitting amongst pyro. <laughs> If you watch the entrance, the very yeah. beginning of the show, because the entrance ramp, I'm sure, is just one of the tunnels from the locker room.
1: Yeah, but you know the funny thing about the entrance ramp? The ramp, I, I don't know, maybe they did this again to maximize seats, but I, I noticed this mainly when Vader came down, probably because he's a wide guy, but the the ramp itself felt... So much skinnier mm-hmm. than I've noticed in the past. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, the fans on either side are closer to each yeah, other. They're yeah. closer to the wrestlers. Like, Vader could have stuck his hands out. And yeah, the and aisle to, to make it the from aisle, the, yeah, the exactly. entrance
2: area to the ring was pretty narrow. It was yeah. pretty
1: narrow. It was weird. Um, I like your note here. Um, good idea, good idea ditching the In Your House set.
2: Yeah. Cause yeah, that was a, that house
1: was really cheesy. Yes, yeah, a lot of it, a lot of the cheese was gone. Like mm-hmm. two years, honestly, it felt like something from 1990 versus something from 2000. Mm-hmm. Like in, in the span of two years, they had grown their 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 look. They had contemporized their look by by a decade.
2: Pretty much by a decade. Yeah,
1: and yet still a lot of Doc Hendricks.
2: I know. <laughs> really once they went to the, the scratch logo and, and, and got rid of the one they were still using and Aesthetically
1: it was beautiful. Yeah. Aesthetically it was so exactly what they needed to be doing. Yes.
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh let's see here. Uh um, first match of the night was the Nation of Domination, hmm Rocky Mayavia, B yeah. Brown, and Kama yeah. taking on the Legion of Doom.
1: Yeah, you know what I noticed about this? This was a fun match. I'll, I'll be honest. Most of these matches were pretty fun. Yeah. There was a lot of, there was a lot of really, really good talent here. Um, this was cool because, so, the uh, Nation of Domination had taken out Shamrock?
2: Well, he had a match against Farouk. They had a, yeah. uh, a tournament for the Intercontinental title because right. Stone Cold had to drop it after hurting his neck. Oh, and Rogue's neck. Yeah. So, in the match, uh, Farouk gave Shamrock a spine buster, and I don't know if this was... Kayfabe, or legitimate, um, caused some internal bleeding in Shamrock because during the match he started spitting up blood. Oh,
1: he started spitting up blood. Yeah. That's hard to
2: fade. So I think, uh, I looked at the brackets. I believe Shamrock ended up winning that match mm-hmm. because of his injury. Mm. Farouk advanced. Okay. Um, to the finals of the Intercontinental title tournament, which we'll get to that match later on the card. Okay. But, yeah, initially it was supposed to be Legion of Doom with Ken Shamrock, but then Shamrock wasn't medically cleared.
1: Oh, ah, okay. All right. So we got Nation of Domination versus uh, Legion of Doom. Legion of Doom looked old.
2: I know, but... uh, They always looked old. Was it Hawk? He still looked like he still could move pretty well. Oh, both. Yeah, no, both
1: of them them look good. I was surprised, uh, you know, in in contrast to to your epic chop the other day. um, Animal, I noticed this a couple times. His chops were kind of weak. I was surprised. He's a big, giant dude. Those should be like Sonic Boom chops. But he sort of gave like... Little taps, like it was more over here than like full on trying to yeah. get a paw right there. Yeah. Um. But yeah, otherwise this is a this is a, a it was a decent match. It was a two on three match because he had uh, The Rock, you had uh, uh, D'Lo, and you had uh, a comma. No. Yes. Comma. Yes. The Godfather, sex trafficker. Um. You had them going uh going against LOD. Um. D- you know they, they gave this match a lot of time to breathe. Yeah. Uh, and uh, LOD was holding their own. Uh, towards the finish, they went for the Doomsday Device, which is the best name of any wrestling move in all of wrestling. What a great name, the Doomsday Device.
2: I know, it's good. And the
1: move fits it perfectly. Because, yeah. man, you get a dude up in his shoulders
2: and clothesline him off the top rope. That's
1: fantastic. It you is. kill people
2: that way. Probably could. Uh, Farouk comes out and distracts the Legion of Doom.
1: Ron Simmons was so much better as Farouk than he ever was in his career. I mean, I liked sort of inspirational Ron Simmons from WCW and his champ. Nothing will beat his promos. He this is this is a perfect example of a guy who who just had more fun and he never Fruit never looked like he was having fun doing anything in his life. Whenever I saw Ron Simmons he looked very serious. But when he was doing his Fruit promo, I think later on they had an yeah. the interview with yeah. him.
2: Before with match against Owen Yeah,
1: he was he was so into it. Oh, yeah. You could tell he was so into
2: it. And it's really a bummer that WWF didn't do more with Farouk. Yeah.
1: I mean, there's so much talent there. You know, oh, I it's like know. if you got The Rock in your stable, it's kind of the way to go. Like when you see that dude well, on he the had
2: just joined mm-hmm, yeah. The Nation shortly before this. So he wasn't even The Rock yet. He was still Rocky Maivia.
1: Within two months, I think he was. Yeah. Though. Yeah. But, yeah, the, the crowd, you know, full-on die, Rocky, die, Rocky, Rocky sucks, sucks. Yeah, yeah, all that stuff. Um, but you could definitely see the seeds there. Oh, yeah. And, you know, like all his little movements and stuff. Um, anyways, like you said, yeah, LOD, they're going for their finish. Uh, Farouk, distract, LOD. Um, Kama kicked Hawk in the head. Yeah, right
2: in the back of the head, which led to a rock bottom.
1: But uh, Vince didn't call it that. He didn't call it anything.
2: I don't think oh. it was called the rock bottom. Well, yeah, I didn't know.
1: I have no idea if it was called the rock bottom. I don't anymore.
2: know. And so uh, Rocky Maivia, the rock, Mm -hmm. picks up the win.
1: Yeah. Uh, Then we cut to uh, Sonny and Doc Hendricks backstage. Sonny was chock full of charisma. She really was. And she was so comfortable in front of a large crowd. Um, And her and and Michael Hayes, you could tell they got along. Like, they had a data natural. I mean, you know, they're not, you know, broadcasting team of the year or anything. No. But you could tell that, you know, I, I wanted, to, like, as soon as the cameras were off, you know, Michael Hayes probably called her Darlin' a lot. I could see that.
2: Darlin'. That was good, Darlin'. Darlin'. That kind of thing. Well, they, they did a segment where they were telling people to call the Superstar Line. Nice. Which is apparently still a thing.
1: And they had gotten rid of the, uh, well, this is 97, so DVDs are just a thing. Uh, but they, they, I, there was no mention of free blank videotapes.
2: Well, they weren't, they weren't selling merch. Yeah. There was a commercial later on, I think, for Stone Cold t shirt
1: yeah, that's right. Yeah. they
2: weren't, you know, this segment, they weren't selling any merchandise. But so there's the, no reason to include a free VHS tape because they weren't trying to sell anything. That's a good During point, In that's Your a House point. Triple Header, yeah. they did do a segment about calling the superstar line, but at no point did they offer a free blank VHS tape for calling said line.
1: Well, I feel like there was a missed opportunity there. How many blank video cassettes could they have sold had they, like, said, Hey, Stone Cold Steve Austin shirt, buy it, get a free blank video tape.
2: Well, maybe they, they found out in 95 that it wasn't a, a good value proposition for them as a company, yeah. so they stopped offering free VHS tapes when you bought a T-shirt. It's kind of like when WCW stopped doing over-the-rope uh, DQs. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, let's see here. Then we had uh, Vince on camera, once again, very awkwardly talking about Brian Pillman's death. I think at this point he had mentioned that it was an overdose.
2: No, that was later on.
1: Oh, that was later on? Yeah. Okay. Uh, oh, this was when he was introduced. No. Yeah. So... <laughs> Okay, again, awkward. This is when he was he was introducing the, the Max Mini and Nova. So they're like um, luchadors, but they're little people, I think. I mean, they looked shorter, but they weren't like little, you know, little, little people. Talking about awkward. Um, Anyway, so like Vince talks about Pillman's death. And then he says, and I'm going to tell you what he did, and I'm going to tell you what he should have done. We had to scramble to find something And boy, do we have an attraction for you. The appropriate thing at this point would be not to say that you have replaced Pillman and Dude Love with luchador little people. You just have the match. Have the match. Right? Wait until the Headbangers-Godwins match. Because that's a tag team title match. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And say, you know, we hope you enjoyed that match. I don't know. Maybe don't even say that you replace it with anything. Just do that, you know? I don't know. Yeah, I know. I know what you're trying to say. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. don't say, hey, we had this Grant, Like, this guy's dead, so we're going to give you little luchadors. That's not,
2: you know. But again, they're processing. processing. <laughs> Anyways, what happened next? Oh, we had the match. The what match? Max Mini and Nova versus uh, Tarantula and Mosaic. Oh, yeah, I barely watched this.
1: It's weird. They're like little luchadors, and usually when I see like, luchadors, and like, l- I've seen little luchador matches before, like, they're usually very smooth. I felt there were a lot of like awkward spots in this. There were a lot of botches in this. Yeah. It was not the smoothest little luchador match I've ever seen in my life.
2: Yeah, probably not. Max Mini picks up the win after pitting Tarantula. No idea who any of these people are. Moving on. Headbangers versus the Godwins for the
1: WWE Tag Team Championships.
2: I want to ask you a question. What's the difference between a face Godwin and a heel Godwin? No T-shirt.
1: Oh, is that true?
2: Yeah, Henry oh, yeah. O Godwin was wearing a T-shirt at In Your House 95. No T-shirts here. Well, there's Just also overall.
1: there's also no Uncle Cletus.
2: Yeah, two years ago, so two years prior, he was yes.
1: maybe a face character. I was thoroughly confused, to be honest with you. Why? Because wait a second. Hold on a second.
2: Wait. What? Headbangers were faces. Godwin for heels.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay.
2: They were faces in the '95. Yeah, Henry O. Godwin was. Facing How did the Godwins
1: pit? last two years? I don't know. That's weird, right? I know. That is bizarre. They didn't last much longer.
2: No, because uh, Phineas, a week later, Phineas Godwin would eventually become Midian.
1: Yeah, but a week later, they lost their titles, I believe, to LOD. I think to LOD. Might have been back to the Headbangers. I forget. Um, but then they were pretty promptly disbanded. Weird that they would put the tag team pals because they won this match. They won the tag team championship. Well,
2: they could have been a transitional champion, assuming that LOD was the team to take them off, so they didn't have faced headbangers take on face.
1: Here's the thing, though. ...Legion of Doom. I really kind of feel like faced headbangers would probably get around the same reaction as heel headbangers, which was no reaction. Nobody popped for them, which is... I'm not going to say it's weird, but... It's not terribly surprising. The one guy who went on to become Beaver Cleaver, Chaz. Chaz. He kind of had some charisma.
2: Yeah, he's the, one, he's the guy that, that spit up in the air and, and it landed in his mouth.
1: Yeah, that is actually impressive. The other guy, I, I wouldn't know him in a lineup. Wouldn't yeah. be able to tell him yeah. in a lineup. Mosh. Um, Mosh, thank you. Yeah, it's Mosh. Chaz. They had some very cool ring gear, though. Oh, yeah. Like, I love the headbanger sort of aesthetic. I yeah. thought it was really, really cool.
2: It felt like if they had done that gimmick in, say, 1993, 94, okay. when grunge was at its peak, yeah, it might have fit in a bit better. Yeah. You um, need
1: different people. Or you, that. Need, you
2: need different people. Well, in 93, 94, maybe you don't need people with the most charisma. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know either. I I'm just, in
1: general charisma is a great thing to have oh, like pro wrestling. Absolutely. Um Yeah, no, I don't know. I I'd say, yeah, I just realized it was ninety seven, it was kinda of yeah. like grunge was already kind of, you know we were already into the post grunge new metal years. Yeah, we were, yeah. So these guys are more like, you know, the forerunners of corn.
2: Yeah. one of them was wearing like, a, a a type
1: O negative shirt. I <laughs> think they're a metal year. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, they were cool. Yeah, they, they were. were. cool. It's just there was nothing there. Again, it's like rooting for a costume. Yeah,
2: it was more of a gimmick than characters. Oh, yeah, for yeah. sure. Absolutely.
1: Anyways. Yeah, so, yeah, the, the... It's a decent match. Sunny came out. She was the guest ring announcer. Yeah. Man. Again, like I said, Sunny, tons of freaking charisma, man.
2: Um, I wonder what she's doing these days. What happened? Um, headbangers, uh, at one point, pretty much dropped Midian on his head. They did a double back body drop. Did I see that? And that Midian cool. really had to tuck his chin in late so he didn't land right in his yeah, head. Yeah, I think I saw that. <laughs> Ugh. Um, anyways, uh, Midian, again, reverses a top rope move by Mosh into a powerbomb. Like, I think Mosh jumped off the top rope. Midian caught him, powerbombed him, and picked up the win mm-hmm. for the Godwins, new tag champions. Yeah. And after the match, the the, the Godwins attacked the Headbangers, and the rest said, okay, if you don't stop attacking them, I'm going to strip you of your titles. Mm-hmm. So they almost took things too far in terms of beating the headbangers post match.
1: What's worse, beating somebody post match or dumping like a slop. slop on
2: them? Well, it's not a real beating, so slop.
1: Yeah, slop. Plus, you you just got done like fighting, so I just feel like is more of the same. So it's an extension of the actual yeah. match.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Slop is worse. Slop is that worse. That is true. Then we got. Uh,
2: did they bring the slop out? I didn't notice. Their yeah, theme song any, was different.
1: I didn't see any slop. Yeah, they did seem like a, a more. Intense. A more menacing version of the Mm Godwins. Weird they lasted that long. I know. That seems like such a 1995 and you're done thing. Mm -hmm. Then we got an awesome Stone Cold Steve Austin package. It's amazing to me that a guy like Steve Austin could reinvent himself so thoroughly. Oh, I know. In a matter of a year and a half and capture something because I don't know. Like, you know, it's it's easy to say, oh, WCW fired him and he ended up being the biggest draw of all time. But he captured something and maybe it was the bitterness of getting fired. Maybe he had to go through that, that jacked up his intensity. Well, he also said
2: that going to ECW helped him... Refine his promo. Yeah.
1: Yeah, but I don't know. I You know, I take Stone Cold for his word. Yeah. But, man...
2: But the but v- then okay okay
1: but then when he shows up in WWF as the
2: ringmaster well it's not much to work with there yeah and he's given still. Dibiase to be his manager to do his talking for him he was on the mic a couple times yeah
1: it wasn't until until he was Stone Cold something just something clicked so perfectly right mm-hmm.
2: there maybe it's just a character that resonated with him
1: yeah that could be that could be because we
2: kind of we, we watched a couple of we watched one of his early matches which one was that Halloween Havoc '92 that we watched earlier Steamboat yeah, no, that was 94. That was the one we just watched last okay. time, or recently, The Bash of the Beach. That was against Steamboat. Oh, you're talking it about the tag, tag match. match. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah okay. But we saw from that match to 94, him grow far more comfortable. A, yeah, a pretty big quantum like And we started to see a little bit of, of the mannerisms that we would see in Stone Cold right. in 94. Yeah. And then to see three years later, as you said, more or less completely reinvent himself. It's yeah. Just, you know, you see that every now and again wrestlers will go through gimmicks and characters until they find one that resonates with them. And, and you know, it, it, they're channeling themselves, just turned up a little bit, mm-hmm. and it works.
1: Yeah. sad to think that if he was born 20 years later, he'd be, like, chasing the IC title. <laughs> I mean, I know he had the IC title all the time. Yeah. But, like, I feel like a character, like, no matter how hot you get these days, it's like, well, since you're not Brock Lesnar, and since you're not a guy that looks a certain way that Vince really wants to push, you know, you know it's not going to happen. I don't know. I don't know if Stone Cold would have gotten over today. What do you think? Yeah. He's too good on the
2: mic. Yeah,
1: man. He's so good. I know. He's just a captivating character. He really is. So good. Captivating performer. Yeah. Of course he would have gotten over. All that bitterness. I wonder if that has something to do with it. Could be. People aren't bitter enough these days. They need to be more bitter. There's one thing about, you know, one thing paying your dues, but paying your dues is like goofy matches in PWG. that's That's not creating bitterness. I want more bitter in my wrestling, Larson. Okay. We need bitter. Bitter equals better.
2: Okay, that's your new catchphrase. Do you agree? Um, sometimes. Yeah. I feel
1: like you're not giving me a lot.
2: No, I just feel like sometimes, I understand your point, uh, especially for really competitive people. Yeah. When they get bitter, it can bring out their best. There you go. I understand that. Not disagreeing with you.
1: All right, what happened Excellent.
2: next? Next, uh, I had an Owen Hart interview. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he was a stablemate of Brian Pillman. Pillman was part of the Hart Foundation. Yeah. Um, I'm guessing they were maybe close. Because you could definitely tell that Owen did not want to be giving a promo right then.
1: No, he did not. Owen was definitely, like, all over the map. Yep. He was trying to remember. He was just trying to say stuff. Mm-hmm. He was trying to say anything. And it just wasn't really working. Um, you, know what's, you know what's... And I'm not going to... He's a professional. But Stone Cold, when he was doing his thing, he was completely on game. And I, him and Pillman were close. Yeah. So that that is very impressive. Mm-hmm. You know? So... Um, then we had a very long sequence where uh, J.R. and the WWF honored St. Louis's wrestling history.
2: Yeah, they brought out a Boy, bunch this of, was of names, uh, pe- sorry, uh, people from uh, St. Louis's storied wrestling history. First we have G- Gene Kaniski. Yeah. Then Jack Briscoe, who looks exactly like his brother. Yeah, he did. Um, Dory Funk Jr. Mm-hmm. Harley Race. Mm-hmm. Terry Funk um, promoter Sam Muchnick and Lou Fez. Lou Fez looked great.
1: Yeah, Lou Thez always looked great. He
2: looked like he still could wrestle. Yeah. He was like in his 80s at that point.
1: Yeah, he probably could, man. Because he was wrestling well on the like leg his... 50s or 60s, I want to say. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I think
2: they said when his last match was. Yeah, it Where was you know. like the week before. I know they're in their video. I mean, it, it was it was interesting to see a lot of uh, archival footage and yeah,
1: know, no, that stuff's great
2: and stuff from from you know wrestlers who wrestled in the 50s and 60s and 70s. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it was kind of long. Yeah, everybody got a plaque.
1: I remember I was sitting, I was like doing something I was on my laptop or something, and I was like. Did this switch over to a different thing, like on accident? Did this switch over to like some sort of weird like documentary that I didn't know? Is it's the just network?
2: interesting that this happened, and then 20 years later, when they're in St. Louis again for Money in the Bank. They do the same thing. Kind of, yeah. Yeah. They bring all the legends there.
1: Then we got that great Farouk interview. Yes. Man, I love Farouk. Farouk is, a, is a, just a mean old bastard. He's great. He's fantastic. Yeah, he is. Uh, then Vince uh, provides another update on Pillman's death. That's when he tells us it's an overdose. Again, you know, I just paid whatever twenty, forty bucks for a pay-per-view. This is bringing things down. Uh, then we had Farouk versus Owen Hart for the vacant IC championship. it's going to be
2: vacant because Stone Cold came out. He still had the belt. He was supposed to give it up.
1: Yeah, they did like a great video package before where they showed like the events leading up. Yes, and it's so great. It's just like Stone Cold that is most like brutal, vicious, fiercest.
2: Oh, so great! Great. So Stone Cold comes out because, as I said, he's supposed to hand over the the Intercontinental title following mm-hmm. the match. The new champion. Um, <laughs> first, he walks over to Vincent Lawler, takes each of their headset, and starts talking, and then he goes sits by a, a Slaughter, mm-hmm. rings a bell. He's going back and forth to all the the uh, announce tables. Yeah. Taking headsets. Yeah. Talking. Yeah. It's great.
1: I like when he went to the French announce table and he was talking and he took the one dude's headset. And he was, like, starting to tell the guy, tell him this in your little language, whatever it is, French or whatever. And then the other guy's just sitting there, like, just steamed. I'm like, you better watch it, dude. You're going to get a stunner. You're going to catch a couple stunners right now. Yep. And then, like, he gives the headset back or he just puts it down on the table. And he can't. that's not enough for him. So he just keeps on staring at the guy who still has the headset. And then right before the camera flips away, he flips the dude's (laughs) headset.
2: Oh, what a jerk.
1: (laughs) Uh anyway, so, uh really
2: it this is actually a surprisingly short match. I think um when I looked on the, the times for each match, this is one of the shortest things it was like five minutes and like five minutes to fifty seconds. Oh really? Really short. Um the finish saw uh the anvil mm-hmm. come out. Um he distracts the ref, and then Stone Cold takes the Intercontinental title, and hits Farouk with it. Mm-hmm. Um Owen Pins gets the win.
1: This sort of thing would continue. Uh, Up until Survivor Series, because Survivor Series was when Stone Cold would be cleared to wrestle, and of course he had his big rematch, but he wanted to make sure that
2: Owen was still champion, that it was
1: Owen who had the belt. And the great thing is when Owen uh, scored the pinfall, Stone Cold takes his belt, and doing a Naito before Naito did it, tosses the belt way high up and hits the ring, and uh, he storms out. Yeah.
2: Great. And I I read a little bit that every time Owen had a match between
1: this, he would make sure. Yeah. Yeah,
2: he would interfere, Stone yeah. Cold interfere, to make sure that Owen retained the belt. Mm-hmm.
1: What a great way to continue that storyline. I
2: know. Yeah. It's a bummer they don't do that kind of stuff now.
1: Yeah, I know. Uh, let's see here. Then we had the Sons of Anarchy
2: versus Los Bariquas. Actually, it was DOA. I forgot that Brian Adams and Brian Lee were both members of DOA at one point.
1: Yeah. I forgot they're not the same person. I always get confused about that.
2: <laughs> and not now, because now I know Brian. Like, we've talked
1: so much about Brian. Yes. Lee. we literally have a giant poster of his head right there. I used him to frame our shot. I'm like, okay, so, like, this quadrant of Brian Lee should be in our shot. Yes. <laughs> not both eyes. No mouth. Part of a nose and one <laughs> eye. Of prime time Brian Lee. And there's the bald guys. Harris brothers. The Harris brothers. And isn't there one more? No. Well, in this match, it was just, just four four. I didn't know anybody on Los Bariquas. I didn't know one damn person. Unless, wait, was, was that Savio Vega? Okay. I know who Savio Vega is. I didn't know any. And they all look like the most normal dudes ever. None of them look like wrestlers, man. None of them look like wrestlers. I'm fairly certain. I don't even know what a Bariqua is. What do you what do you think of Bariqua is?
2: I don't know. I don't know what it is either. Anyways, uh Brian Adams picks up the win with a tilt the world backbreaker. That was his finisher. Um
1: wait, who who picked Brian Adams did? Really? Yeah. That was weird. Bariqua. Oh, it's Puerto... okay, so its origin is in Puerto Rico yeah. and it is uh Is it a what does it mean? It says it. Um, I don't know what it means. Again, okay. I tell. Maybe okay. Go ahead. Oh, it says, why do Puerto Ricans call themselves Baricua? Um Okay, so it just basically means you're identifying yourself as... So it just means it's the Puerto Ricans. Okay. That's what it means. I didn't know one person on the Puerto Ricans. I didn't know one of them.
2: Well, you knew Savio Vega.
1: Yeah, I know. I didn't know... Did you know any of the others?
2: No, but I remember, when the, I remember when that faction was on WWE TV. Cause mm-hmm. I started watching um, a lot after Survivor Series. Yeah, I started watching right after that. And they were on a lot. After this, after Brian Adams picks up the win for DOA, um, there was a, a Bret Hart British Bulldog interview. Yes. Um, again, didn't really seem like they really wanted to be talking to the camera at this point. Mm hmm. Um. After that, we had uh, an interview with the Patriot and Vader, mm-hmm. and it was during this interview Vader calls uh, Bret Hart's catchphrase, the best there is, the best there was, and the best there will be, bullshit.
1: They had to beat Vader. They, yeah. all, they all, There was like an audible gasp. Yeah. People were like,
2: <gasps> I know, and then uh, J.R. apologized yeah. for the for the language yeah. following that interview. Well, I
1: know, Vader seemed like he was, I don't know if I can say checked out, but I feel like Vader legitimately, I think... There are sometimes when I, whenever I see Vader matches, there are sometimes when I think Vader cares about what his bosses think, and I think there's sometimes when he's simply not trying to impress anybody. Yeah. And I feel like this is one of those, and that's best of Vader because yes. that match they had, Vader. I don't know if you noticed, there was a couple times. I don't know if Vader was pissed off of bulldog or if it was just part of his his shtick, but there was a couple times when I felt like he was going to murder bulldog in the ring. Oh really? Yeah. There was one. He there was one slam. Or he, yeah, he picked up Bulldog and it was a very quick slam. He picked him up, but he just sort of
2: dumps him. Hmm. Well, you know, Vader was never the most. No, uh, oh, he's a stiff
1: worker, yes. I know. But there was. And a, I
2: thought actually watching this match, he dialed back quite a bit of the stiffness from what I've seen in previous matches. I well, guess. yeah,
1: because you've seen Stan Hansen matches with him. Of course, he's going to dial it
2: back. This is WWF, man. Yeah, you're not in Japan. Um, but then Vader does that, tries for that moonsault, and lands he on lands his on his feet. On his feet. That was weird. I'm, but then right after that, he starts like beating the crap
1: out of Bulldog, and that looked real. Oh, okay. Like He starts like wailing. When he, start, when he starts just throwing his arms down like this and not doing your standard wrestling thing, I'm like, oh, Bulldog pissed him off. Something happened. Maybe. Here. Bulldog pissed him off.
2: Maybe. Anyways. Um, totally forgot that the Patriot.
1: Del Wilkes, man.
2: Used Kurt Angle's music.
1: Oh, that was weird. I know. That was really weird. Then I looked it up, and I'm like, oh, my God. Look at that. I never knew that in the first place. I don't think I ever bothered to watch a Patriot entrance. <laughs> Never um, had a reason to.
2: Match starts with a brawl on the outside before the bell even rings. Um, Actually,
1: it's early. This is two papers in a row. I enjoy a Bret Hart match.
2: He, but you know what? He's put on enjoyable matches. I'm not going to argue
1: that. Okay, so there's a part when Bret Hart had yeah Vader in uh, the sharpshooter, and Del, uh, the Patriot comes up to him, gives him a headbutt. Bret Hart doesn't even act like anything happened. And then he gives them like three punches and then Bret drops the sharpshooter and falls over to his side. I feel like a headbutt should have like mm-hmm. broken up the sharpshooter. Mm-hmm. Just saying. There was a couple of little bits like that where I felt like Bret was... I don't know. I just felt like I felt like everybody's off. I felt like maybe yeah. Vader... They did something happen backstage. I
2: don't know. Well, it could also be that Brian Pillman passed away. I know. I wonder if Vader like said something inappropriate. <laughs> no, but I mean like you know, Pillman is <laughs> a member of the Hart Foundation. Oh, no, I know. It, why why like Bret Hart might have been a little off his game. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Who knows? Um uh so they were really telling the story through this match of the Patriot being the only one. Well, let's set up the match first. So it was uh during the show they made it a flag match. So in one corner you have uh the uh, United States mm-hmm. flag, other one, Canadian flag, mm-hmm. and so to win the match, you either have to uh, you can pin your opponent, make him submit, or grab your own flag. Yeah. Um,
1: did anybody actually grab the? No,
2: and the pinfall.
1: Those flags look ridiculously out of reach.
2: They did, and, and the polls were pointed towards the audience which would make it even harder to retrieve them. So anyways... When I saw uh,
1: Vader go up there, I was
2: like, that is not going to happen. No. Um, So uh, the the commentary team kind of pointed out the story that uh, uh, on the team of Patriot and Vader, they made it seem like Patriot was the only one who could possibly retrieve Mm -hmm. uh, their team's flag. Um, So uh, Bret Hart put a lot of effort and in, uh, in working the Patriot's knee and lower back, yeah. so he couldn't climb. Yeah. At least that's the gist I got. Um, so he put the Patriot in a figure four around the ring post, um, uh, put him in the sharpshooter, which the Patriot reversed into a sharpshooter of his own until the Bulldog broke it up. Um, Brett uh, put Vader in the sharpshooter. Vader got to the ropes. Patriot puts Brett in the sharpshooter. Again, again, Bulldog breaks it up. After that, that's when Vader did that awesome moonsault and landed on his feet. Yeah, that was weird. It's really weird how Vader. I know he was in a title program with HBK
1: mm-hmm. when
2: HBK was a face, mm-hmm. but I'm really surprised they never put the belt on him. Because he was huge in WCW. Yeah, Vince didn't like him. Still. He's this guy who's a great monster heel. Yeah,
1: no, you I never love really him. They really
2: utilize him. He's great. I mean, they pushed Sid.
1: hmm. Vince likes it. Sid, I Sid guess. was tall. Sid was tall.
2: I guess so. Anyways, uh, Bret Hart gets the ring bell and starts hitting uh, everybody with it. Yeah. <laughs> At one point, uh, Vin, or sorry, uh, Bret flipped off. Who did he give the finger? Oh, I missed that part. Yeah, he just pointed he, he just turned towards somebody, and <laughs> gave him the finger. <laughs> attitude,
1: attitude is what Heal That's what, yeah, what cool,
2: heel Bret does. Yeah. Um. So, anyways, uh, Vader hits Bret with a Vader bomb. Brett works his way out of the situation. Eventually, hey, released. I'll say this
1: though: Brett's promo beforehand, like everybody else, did seem shook, but he actually—I mean, may, you know—maybe you couldn't see his eyes because he had sunglasses mm-hmm. on. But I feel like his promo was was pretty on game.
2: Mm-hmm. It was all right. Um, Brett wins, uh, rolling up the Patriot. Mm-hmm. Um, an okay match, long, some fun spots.
1: Yeah, no, I thought it was fine. I just thought like some of it. I was like, I was thinking, I remember just thinking to myself, wait, do you have to get the flag to win?
2: No, they explained the rules before the match started. Yeah, I don't pay attention to that stuff.
1: Then I saw people like going for pinfalls, and I was like, oh, I guess not. But then people kept on trying to go for a flag, and I was like, why are you doing? Like, I feel like this match is never going to end. It's like <laughs> it's like playing a match on. It's like doing Hell in a Cell in 2K17 when we don't know how to like uh, throw somebody through the bottom.
2: Yeah, yeah, through, yeah. Through
1: the top of the cage. It's like, well, this is never. No, it wasn't that match that we had that never ended? It wasn't like a Last Man Standing match? Yeah. Yeah, but for an hour. Yeah, we
2: kept on getting up. Cause I don't think we it, that match never made air. I don't think. I don't
1: think it did either because
2: it was too much. Yeah, it was way too much.
1: I was Like, how does this match end? I don't think this match is ever going to end. Uh, anyways, then we had an HBK interview, um, and yeah, again, he sort of seemed shook. Yeah. I mean, you're probably right. Probably all because of the Pillman stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, the funny part about this is though, so, like so. HBK is there with the rest of DX. It was before they were even called DX.
2: Yeah, that happened the week later.
1: So Triple H is standing there and uh HBK says his thing and then Doc Hendricks points the microphone to Triple H and H B K looks at Triple H expecting him to say something. Triple H begins to say something, puts his hands up because he's a hand talker also, and then the camera just cuts away from him and we're back, back to, to Vince. the commentary TV so yeah, back to Vince. <laughs> Oh, true. Early Triple H could never catch respect. <laughs> never catch respect.
2: Maybe still being punished for the uh, curtain
1: call. It could be. Yeah.
2: Um. So after that, we had a, a Shawn Michaels video package, kind of going through his his character's arc. Um. Uh. Specifically highlighted his his face run as champion, mm-hmm. as world champion, and how he's turned heel. Yeah. Um. And this, of course, led to the very first Hell in a Cell match between HBK and the Undertaker. Um, I'd seen this match before. Forgot how good it was. Yeah. It's really well paced.
1: No, it's an amazing match. It, it Like, watching it again, it's like this and then the, the end of an era match are like mm-hmm. one and two in my book, man. Because mm-hmm. this was fantastic. Like, I, I, as much as I love Undertaker Foley, that did seem like that match always did just feel like an excuse to see what mankind would could do.
2: Well, yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah.
1: I mean, there was some great storytelling there, but it's like, man... This is too much.
2: I wonder how different that match would have been if Foley's fall through the cage hadn't happened. Because that wasn't planned.
1: Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. But, my goodness, that was a crazy match.
2: It was. Anyways, uh, back to this match. Mm. Um, uh, they also set up this match because uh, I think HBK was guest referee for a match the Undertaker was in, maybe a title match, and counted him out. Right. And so that started some issues between HBK and Undertaker. Mm-hmm. Um, HBK uh, gave Undertaker an unprotected uh, chair shot to the head, causing him to bleed. There was there was so much brutality in this yes. match. Yes. Um, no, I'm, I'm, I'm just recapping before the match uh, oh, started, yeah. um, causing Undertaker to bleed everywhere. So the Undertaker was very mad. Yes, he had a huge problem with Shawn Michaels. And a lot of problems, you people. So uh, uh, Shawn Michaels comes out first. So, he's in the ring as the, the cage descends. Um, Undertaker comes out. You can tell HBK is on edge because uh, there's like a, a... It's not the gong, but there's another sound that came in suddenly and he jumped.
1: Yeah. Okay. So, this was a little odd. What? So, there was this promo, which, you know... I, maybe, maybe when he stepped into the ring, maybe when he went out there, he... You know, when something traumatic happens, you just don't want to deal with anything. I get the feeling when this match kicked off for the first quarter of the match, HBK like okay, so there was there was one bit where Undertaker, I think he threw he like threw him into the ropes or something, and HBK spring, uh, did a sort of springboard kind of thing, like a cell job off the ropes. But he did it very cartoonishly. It made, me th- it made me think of when he had that Hulk Hogan match. Mm-hmm. There were a couple of spots here. When, when The Undertaker, when that second gong hit or whatever, Sean was acting cartoonishly. He was overboard with selling his fear.
2: Um, I kind of maybe got that when he realized the situation. He was entrapped in the cell with The Undertaker because he was like by the door yeah. saying bye to Triple H and China yeah. and stuff. And he was obviously really shook up. Yeah.
1: And I wonder if I, because, you know, once once you're in the match, I, I I don't know, I'm not a wrestler, I don't want to be, but I would think that once you're in the course of a match that you know, that you're realizing maybe, wow, this is something special here. This is, we, we've got some really good stuff going on here. Then, you know, the match is absolutely amazing. And HBK is perfect HBK. I mean, him retiring when he did is like AJ Styles retiring now. Yeah. It, it, dude was at the peak of his at the peak of his game. He was putting together five-star matches like in a sleep. Mm-hmm. Like he was fantastic. Which is why it's the pro, like when I when I watched the open I was like, man, he seems checked out. But like not checked out as in I'm phoning it in. Checked out as in I need to do something to get me to get me interested and maybe his way of doing that is overselling everything or is being cartoonish. I don't know. I'm not in his head. I'm just saying, like from the first like moments of the match, it yeah. felt like he was goofing. It felt like he was goofing a little. I bit.
2: didn't really get that. I mean, because I was seeing, especially did early. you see the look, the, the expression yeah. on his face? I did. That wasn't that wasn't uncommon for HBK at the time. I don't know. I never saw that before. I don't know. Um, and maybe he's just trying to, you, you know, there's there's one thing to sell your state of being to the TV crowd, but another thing entirely to try to sell his anxiety, his fear to the live crowd when you get this giant cell in front of you. So maybe he felt the need to exaggerate a bit for that. Yeah, maybe. For the live crowd, not so much for the TV crowd. Anyways, cell comes down. HBK seems like he wants nothing of this match, of the Undertaker. He wants out. Um, Undertaker takes early advantage. really just beating the hell out of HBK all over the cell. Mm-hmm. Um, This is pretty much for the the first seven, eight minutes of the match. Yeah, Undertaker is just beating the hell out of HBK, and he's doing a really good job selling everything. Um, At a certain point, HBK gains the upper hand, climbs the cage a bit, elbow drop off of it, grabs the steel ring steps, beats the Undertaker with him.
1: Mm
2: -hmm. uh, Sorry, a pile driver.
1: Yeah, that was nasty.
2: Onto the ring steps. It was like a sit-down pile driver. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, some foreshadowing. Cameraman gets in his way, mm-hmm. starts cussing at him. Mm-hmm. Keep that in mind, Steve. will okay. play a very important part of this match later on. Uh, HBK goes and grabs a chair from under the ring and starts hitting Undertaker with it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, two of them, Michaels goes for the pin. Undertaker kicks out. Um, Undertaker, sorry, HBK wraps the Undertaker in the ropes, starts punching him. Taker gets himself out, back body drops. HBK out of the ring. HBK lands on who? Cameraman. Cameraman. Um, HBK starts beating up the cameraman. And what happens because of this? They have to open the door of the cell to get the injured cameraman out of the ring, give him the medical attention he might require. Doing so, they allow uh, an opportunity for maybe the competitors to get out of the cell. We'll check on that later. Uh, HBK tunes up the band, mm-hmm. gives Undertaker some sweet chin music. Yes. Taker no sells it entirely. Yeah, he just sits up. He sits up. Um, is at that moment where HBK says, "Okay, I'm done. I'm out of here." Runs to the open door. Undertaker follows. Uh, Undertaker uh, slingshots HBK into the cage, and uh, and HBK is just bloody.
1: Yeah, I don't know if this was like a legit, like if the cage actually did this because there was so much blood. There was a lot also
2: of blood. like like after this, he had a huge cut on his forehead.
1: Yeah,
2: it was pretty massive.
1: Yeah, so I don't know if he if like he you know Inten- if that him. was an
2: intended if blade he job or himself. He yeah, actually. You know, because
1: yeah. there, was, there was a lot of blood by the end of this. Because you know, there were was, was several spots where he, you know, he ended up laying in his own pool of blood. And that happened a couple times. So he he left behind a couple pools of blood yeah. in the, the, the arena of battle, if you will.
2: Yeah, because, you know, sometimes a chain link fence like that has little spurs on it. Yeah. That can catch you. Yeah, exactly. That was a lot of blood, yeah. Um, Undertaker drives HBK's head into the cell a couple more times and before uh, HBK kicks him square in the balls. Yeah. And at that point, HBK takes the opportunity to climb the cell to get away from Undertaker. Undertaker follows. They brawl on top of the cage. There's a back body drop. Uh, press slam.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Surprising that cage didn't just I fall know.
2: apart. HBK is trying to get away. He climbs down the opposite it's side It's weird
1: the that between here and the Mankind Hell in a Cell, I mean, I know there was one that separated them, but I don't think they went to the top in that one. I think it was on, like, a raw or something. Yeah. Um, Like, the cage, like, all of a sudden was, like, like made of paper mache. Because, like, Mankind Fall, I know Mankind's a heavier dude, and, like, taking a choke slam is not the same as a back potty drop. But... I don't know. Like, I'm surprised. I, I know HBK is, like, probably half the weight that Mankind is. But still, like, that Mankind cage was so... Oh, I know. You know?
2: Yeah. Um. Anyways, there's, you know, uh, HBK tries climbing back down the cage. Undertaker grabs his hair, stomps on his hands, sending HBK crashing into the announce table below. Pretty iconic moment. Mm-hmm. Especially in the Attitude Era. Yeah, pretty huge. Um, And this is where we get JR maybe saying... For one of the first times, my, my God, he may be broken in half. Oh, God. It's great. Yeah. Um, they, they keep uh, fighting on the outside, eventually get back in the cell. Sergeant Slaughter, the uh, commissioner at the time, mm-hmm. locks the cage back up. Uh, Undertaker beats Shawn Michaels up more. Top rope chokes slam. Uh, Taker gets a chair from under the ring. Unprotected uh, headshot Oof. to HBK. His already bleeding head. I know. Well, they have to, you know, harken back to the moment where mm-hmm. HBK hit Undertaker with an unprotected chair shot. Uh, Undertaker motions for the tombstone. Lights go out. It's not Bray Wyatt though. Kane. That's got to be Kane. Oh, it's got to be Kane. So Kane goes to the cell with Paul Bear, rips the door off, throws Earl Hebner into the cage, um, and there's a stare down between Kane and Undertaker. Undertaker is looking very,
1: very shook.
2: Yes, very much so. Uh, Kane responds with Tombstone. Mm-hmm. Um, Hbk rolls over on to Undertaker, picks up the win. And very slowly, Earl Ebner counts out three. Games. Yes, well he got thrown into the cage. Yes. So great match. Uh
1: huh. Yeah. Fantastic.
2: Iconic Hell in a Cell match. Very much so. Yeah. Um. It just
1: occurred to me. We don't. Well, I guess we'll, we can shoot. No, already, I have very things to vote for. Yeah. I'm already on it, man. Oh, nice. Okay. I have options.
2: So generally what we do, and we don't necessarily have to do this now, um, is we take stuff from roughly the same time period as uh, the previous show we did, mm-hmm. or something inspired sure. by it, okay. and, and use that uh, for options next time. So here's what I have. Two of them, at least. Starrcade 97. Oh, no. Hogan versus Sting. <laughs> Epic. With Bret Hart as a... Uh, he inserts himself in that main event, too.
1: I was like, I think the first WCW pay-per-view I saw, which was weird because that was December of 97. Yep. That was weird, though. I started hanging out with you guys like in the summer of 96. Yeah. Yeah, it was weird. I don't know why there was such a lengthy amount of time there. I don't know. we' watching WCW pay-per-view. Maybe it's just
2: the t- first time we ordered a pay-per-view. There's actually, such a huge Yeah, that, that, that could be. Yeah, we watch Nitro all the time, but it's not like we, were, we had the means to order the pay-per-view there. Yeah, not. that's true. Also on the card, we have Eddie Guerrero versus Dean Malenko. Oh, nice. That's a good one. Saturn versus Chris Benoit. DDP versus Kurt Hennig. Oh, nice. We um, also have Larry Zbysko versus Eric Bischoff. That's the one I want to see. So that's an option. Option one. Are you cool with that?
1: Yeah, yeah. sure.
2: Also, ECW Heat Wave 97. This is the, the match that, that saw Lawler wrestle in ECW. Oh, that's fun. And also had uh, Rick Rude
1: oh, make his return yeah. to the ring. Yeah.
2: Um, also, Terry Funk versus Shane Douglas for the ECW title. Uh, Taz versus Lance Storm. Um are you cool with that option? Yeah, yeah. We need a third one. Um We could do uh, uh was it WrestleMania 26, HBK Undertaker their first match. Another match that's widely considered to be one of the best ever.
1: Another another HBK Taker. Uh yeah, just do
2: that. All right, WrestleMania 26, I believe. Yeah, make sure that's it.
1: 25 is their first one. 26 oh, is his retirement. Okay,
2: 25 then. Okay. Yeah. Let's see what else is on that card. Ooh, that's the 25th anniversary. Uh, wait. Yes, there it is.
1: Uh, oh, one of CM Punk's uh, Money in the Bank. Oh, yeah. matches.
2: There we go. Jericho defeated Ricky Steamboat, Roddy Piper, and Jimmy Snuka.
1: The the precursor to the colognes. The colognes. Yeah. But this time Carlito and Primo, not Epico and Primo.
2: And then you have uh, Broken Matt Hardy defeating Brother Nero.
1: <laughs>
2: nice. Uh, nice. Cena versus Edge. And whoa!
1: Well. Well, I think it was a good match.
2: And then Triple H versus Randy Orton.
1: Right on.
2: All right. WrestleMania 25. It is.
1: All right. Well, Those we will. options. And, yeah, we gotta, we got to announce the winner now. Okay. Those are the, so those, those are the options for the Patreon. I'm going to post that, that poll up probably today. And uh, so by the time this goes up, we'll have a winner.
2: And that winner is
1: WrestleMania 25. Well done. Anyways, that's your homework for next week. And until then, we'll talk to you guys later. Bye. Bye. You can host the
0: best backyard barbecue.